Thank you, Isaac, for teaching me where Burkina Faso is, and Daniel for all of your help. Both of them have been really indispensable around here, so we are going to miss you not just because you help us so much, but because we've become friends, and that's what we get to talk about today. Friendship is precious in all seasons of life, whether you are in kindergarten or whether you're at the other end of life. When you are really at your wit's end and you're desperate, you need a good friend, right? Perhaps you are in labor with your first child and your husband is away at a conference 90 minutes away and you need a ride to the hospital. Yes, that did happen to me. Brian got there in plenty of time when Callista uh, came into the world. But for the first ride to the hospital, it was actually Deanna who drove me, not Brian. Uh, My name is Sandy Asker and I wanted to say today that I get to partner with Jesus who rose from the grave and walks on water but I also get to partner with amazing friends. One of the things that makes this so fun, what we're doing at Rosa Parks, is some of our friends are serving with us and some of you that we've never, we didn't know before Rosa Parks are becoming friends. I also get to partner with my best friend, which is Brian Asker. We were friends before we got married, as many people are, but we literally were friends in ministry before we got together. And even though he was not with me on that first trip to the hospital, he's not in trouble for that, by the way. I don't bring that up because it's like a sore spot. Uh, He, in fact, is my best friend. And I would say because of COVID and in the midst of COVID, as we're trying to start a new church in the midst of COVID, I am so grateful that we are friends first and we get to co-pastor together. Not very many people get to say that. Uh, Over the past year, I've also heard how people are being creative with their friendships. You know, you've seen these like on YouTube or on the news, these things that people are doing together uh, to try to connect in the midst of COVID. So we've seen how people are are celebrating someone's retirement or celebrating somebody finishing their cancer treatments and the cars all line up and these people are coming home from the hospital. Uh, People have created Zoom baby showers where they have these games that they're doing online, right? Wedding showers, I'm seeing some nods in the room. And one of my friends just told me that in her neighborhood during COVID, there were four or five families, literally every night they ate together and the text stream would start, who's grilling tonight? And they literally ate together in the midst of COVID. Think about all of the TV shows, perhaps, that we've binge watched during COVID. I myself have picked a few. And I think about why am I drawn to certain shows? Is it because of the plot line? Sometimes it is, but more often than not, it's because of the relationships that they show. And I could not help but think of one of my favorite uh, movie trilogies is The Lord of the Rings. Anyone remember this? This is maybe dating me. But I remember watching these movies and being fascinated by the relationships that were forming. Sometimes it was between the unlikely, the elf and the dwarf, and they became like best friends. Or we see how Frodo, and if you haven't seen the movie, but you've read the book, you get 10,000 points from me. Uh, Frodo never would have gotten as far as he did in that story if it hadn't been for his best friend, Samwise. Watching these men and women fight to the end for the common good, there's something inspiring about that. It's something that influences us. So we are in a series called Influential. The Covenant Church believes that women and men are both created in the image of God, and based on gifting, we get to serve in the church, which is why I get to sit here sharing the message today. We have men and women serving, but in this month, we have decided to focus on certain women in the Old Testament that are influential. We've looked at women who bound together with their Uh, with their sisters, 
uh, maybe just friends, and they've really made choices that influence us and have been on mission to influence the world. Now, when we think about being on mission and being friends, I'm going to caveat this here with a little Covenant Church history this morning. So in the Covenant Church, we use the term mission friends. It's an old term, and we're bringing it back. It's a throwback summer, okay? We're going to start summer early, I guess. It highlighted the need for purpose in the community. So we are on mission together. Our purpose here at Rosa Parks at Crossview is to connect people to Jesus and Jesus to their world. We want to bring the kingdom here on earth, pointing to what it will be like one day we get to live like that now. And we do it in community. We do it because we're friends. We saw how Pua and Shifra decided to live and bring life instead of uh, what the Pharaoh wanted them to do, which was to bring death. Today, we get to look at friendship and maybe a more familiar story. We've had a little bit of obscure references this month. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. If you have a Bible or device, you can open up to Ruth chapter one, and I'm going to pray for us as we enter in to the text today. Uh, Jesus, I'm reminded that as I have thought about friendship this past week, that today I'm reminded that you are our best friend. You told the disciples, uh, you're not my servants. Instead, I call you friends. And there are songs that we sing that we are a friend of God. Jesus, thank you that you are the ultimate role model when it comes to friendship. And thank you that you've instilled in Ruth that same spirit of friendship that we can learn from today and be influenced today. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the book of Ruth is set in Moab. Uh, This family starts in Bethlehem and there's a famine and they decide to go to Moab. Now, Moab was not known to be super friendly on friendly terms with Israel, yet for whatever reason, Elimelech and his wife Naomi decide to take their boys to Moab. Now, this is in the time of the judges, if you also know the book of Judges. So when the judges uh, were trying to rule the world, the Bible tells us basically people were doing things as they saw fit. So perhaps there's a little bit of um, immorality happening. Let's leave it there, okay? So they go to Moab. And they live there for we don't know how long, and Elimelech dies. Then the boys get married to Gentiles or Moabite women. So some things I read said this was a no-no, and other things I read said not such a big deal. I'm not really sure what to think about it, but regardless, they decided to get married. And they live there for another 10 years. Now, these two boys die as well leaving these women, the mother-in-law and the two daughters-in-law, in in a society where women couldn't just like go out and get a job and provide for themselves. It's a patriarch society. So they were likely left destitute. Now, Naomi hears that back home in Bethlehem, which ironically is known as the House of Bread, which had a famine, so there's a little bit of irony in the story. She hears that God is again providing food for the people back there. So they decide to take off and the daughters-in-law come with. So we're going to start in Ruth chapter 1 at verse 8. If the slide doesn't match up, that's okay, Mr. Jeff. Verse 8 says, Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So Naomi is saying, Hey, no shame, ladies. If you want to go back home, knock yourself out. And even more so, 
I am going to right now remember your kindness to me, to my family. That word kindness, another word for it would be mercy and goodness. Naomi acknowledges that these women are not from Bethlehem. They're not Israelites. So for them to come with, she's acknowledging like this. I'm, I'm kind of asking you to go where you've never been before. You came from Moab and you can go back from where you came from. These words to me remind me of certain, certain blessings that sometimes you read in the Old Testament. A father's dying and he gives blessings or you see uh, priests giving a blessing over a group of people. And I see this woman saying, may God give you a blessing, grant you rest. In that blessing, this word rest stands out to me. And even as we are singing today, it was in one of the songs. Perhaps rest stands out to me because I'm at that age, ladies, if you're not here yet, be prepared. You just don't go to sleep like you used to, or you don't stay asleep as long as you used to. There are certain things, you know, you go up and go to the bathroom. I'm not sure what it is. Um, Or maybe it's because we're in a time, it just feels like peace is at a minimum. There's not a whole lot out there. I don't run into peace a lot. (laughs) It doesn't just fall into my lap very easily. So this word rest stands out to me. I believe that Naomi chooses it for good reason. The word in Hebrew is the same word that we see all over the Bible. It's the same word to describe the holy divine rest that God offers us. It's the same word in Psalm 23, when it says that God leads us beside quiet, restful, still waters. These women have been through it. We don't know exactly what happened to them. Elimelech's name means God is king. So perhaps he was a faithful Jewish guy. Maybe he was like a big, strong, providing farmer, super successful. We don't know. But then he dies. Naomi and Elimelech have these two boys, and their names literally mean weak or sickly. I don't know if that was their original name, if it got changed after they got sick, But what we do know is that they died. All three of the men in this family have died. They were in a horrible situation left after being married. Perhaps after a a happy time, we don't know. But either way, we know that their security, their understanding of how the world looked as they had married and had a plan for their life, it was all taken away when they died. So continuing on in Ruth. The end of chapter 9 says, Naomi kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. And Naomi said to her, I'm sorry, the girls, I think, said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, no, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So back then in this society, if you were married and your husband died, a brother of the husband was supposed to then marry the widow. Kind of seems strange, but it was how they took care of each other back then. So for Naomi to say this, it seems ridiculous, but she's, she's giving them kind of an out. I don't know if there's this, you know, you, you say no a few times and then you can politely walk away if that's some of what's going on. But Naomi is illustrating to them, it's ridiculous for you to stay with me. 
There's no reason for you to stick with me. Naomi, the word, the name Naomi means pleasant. And later on in the book of Ruth, she'll come back home and she'll tell her friends who knew her as Naomi, don't call me Naomi anymore. I don't want you even to call me that name anymore. I want you to call me Mara. My life is so bitter, I want to change my name. They've been through it, these women. When they're clinging together, they're kissing, they're weeping together, I just see it as a continuation of the grief that they've already experienced. Now, kind of a side note here, I don't blame Naomi for saying God has dealt bitterly with me, but I do want to say this. I don't want to blame God completely for what happened to Naomi. There are times in scripture where we see God doing something and it's his fault or he did it. But I think in general, when we look at the whole of scripture, when I think theologically about how God interacts with his people, God's will is that you would have life and have it to the full. God is a God of life. He is the creator. He is not the one that takes away. Instead, it says that the enemy comes to kill and to destroy and to steal. So as we face hard times, I think God can totally handle it if we blame him. And he is not going to be like, he's not going to judge you for that. I don't think so in the long run. Like be honest with him about how you feel. But at the same token, let us take a step back when bad things happen and make sure that we have an appropriate fear too of the Lord and honor him. And I really do want to say no shame for Naomi. She is likely just being honest about how she feels about how hard her life has been. Verse 14, it says that this they wept aloud again. I could preach a message about when we come together and we grieve with one another. We talked about this a few weeks ago. When we let each other in, when we're having a hard time, there's an intimacy and a friendship there that really is unlike any other that I've experienced. It says here at the end of 14, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. These women were kissing, crying, and eventually Orpah, we don't know why, but Orpah decides to leave. I don't think she leaves easily. I don't see her like skipping back like, whew, I'm glad I got out of that. I think it was probably very difficult for her, but for whatever reason, she leaves. Ruth, however, it says, clung to Naomi. Now, if you look in the King James Version, it uses the word cleave. Does this ring any bells for anybody? Anybody gone to a wedding recently? In Genesis 3, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Okay, this isn't going to get weird today. Don't worry about it. Naomi and Ruth didn't go to that level. But it is that sense of intimacy. Ruth clung to Naomi. She stuck with her. In Deuteronomy verses uh, chapter 10 and 11 and 13, it is the same kind of how we cling to God. So there's this whole parallel in Ruth with how Ruth and Naomi and how their relationship really does parallel our relationship with God. Verse 16, Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. (laughs) 
<laughs> she realized that arguing was not realistic at this point. Ruth decides to give up everything for Naomi. Her mother-in-law. Now, my mother-in-law is in the room, right? In general, sometimes mother-in-laws and daughters-in-law don't get along perfectly, right? Thank God that my mother-in-law is in the room and we're doing life together. We're figuring it out, right? This Ruth decided to give up what? Where she was going, what her plans were, her people, her tribe, where she was comfortable, probably her food, where she was gonna live. And then even it says, your God will be my God. Now we don't know because there's no evidence in the whole of the Bible that she converted to Judaism and became a Jewish woman all the way. But I think there's some evidence here that she did. She sacrificed for Naomi. Now I can't resist. It's Memorial Weekend, and as we were prepping this passage, we thought, let's just do some, like, throwback, old pastoral sermon trick, okay? So even kids, you can follow this. I'm going to talk about three words that start with the same letter, which is alliteration, okay? We're going to talk about solidarity, sacrifice, and salvation as it comes to Ruth, okay? So real quickly, solidarity. This is a word that we've heard some recently. I'm learning it as I'm standing with friends of mine who are enduring things that I didn't understand before, and I'm trying to listen and take a first step in solidarity. When I see Ruth cleaving to Naomi, I see that as solidarity. What happened with Ruth and Naomi was that it led to grief. Because they were together, and maybe one of the reasons she clung to her is because they did grieve. I don't know what, what happened first. Sometimes when we choose solidarity, it means grief. Sometimes it means discomfort. What would it look like for us to take that kind of solidarity in our friendships? Secondly, sacrifice. Ruth gave up her home country. Ruth gave up her family, her ways, and her gods. Ruth came through a whole new went through a whole transition. I imagine this started way before the boys died. I imagine that Elimelech and Naomi must have lived in such a way with their faith that it was influencing Ruth way before this moment when Ruth goes, oh, by the way, I think I'm that God that you've been talking about, I think now is my, you know what I mean? Like, I just imagine that it was years and years of Naomi and Elimelech, maybe even the sons living in such a way that Ruth at this point says, I'm ready to make your God my God. And Ruth in turn sacrifices for Ruth. I'm sorry, for Naomi. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about people who are sitting in this room or you at home, you left and sacrificed some of your church family and where you used to feel comfortable, the music, the building, the people, and you chose to come here. Some of you moved, my mother-in-law being one of those. She literally physically moved to come here to Mankato. This weekend is Memorial Day, and there are people grieving. There are people remembering who have sacrificed, people who have made that choice. When we think about sacrifice, what are we willing to sacrifice for our friends? How can we acknowledge that there are friends of ours that have sacrificed for us? And sometimes we can have a friendship in such a way that it leads to salvation. 
This really kind of cooks my noodle when I think about this, so I'm going to try to get through it. <clears throat> There's a way that people can live with us and be friends with us that help us understand that we are worshiping gods that are not leading to life, that aren't leading to rest. That blessing that Naomi had for Ruth and Orpah, that you would find rest elsewhere. She was willing to say, you know what, maybe my way isn't your way. Salvation, when you were an Israelite back then, did not just mean I got to go to heaven. Salvation back then literally meant peace for Israel in a military way, but also in a way that they lived at peace with those around them. That is what salvation meant to them. Because God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. And the verse after that, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us because God loves this world. He loves all of the individual people on it. He loves the peoples on it. I believe he loves the animals and he loves the actual planet. We get to study the book of Colossians starting next week. And we're going to talk about how God loves the world and how he is king over the world. Do you know what happens with Ruth? I'd love a little interaction here. Do you know what happens with Ruth? Ruth ends up getting married to Boaz. Also a great name. Anybody looking for baby names? We're giving you tons of ammunition this month for great names. She ends up marrying a godly, generous man named Boaz. She has a baby for the first time. Isn't it interesting she's married for 10 years to the other guy and doesn't have a kid, and then she, I don't know what happened there. She ends up having a baby, and that baby is the grandfather to King David. Ruth is not Jewish. Ruth is from Moab, an enemy of Israel. And if you read later in the book of Matthew, Ruth is mentioned by name. Do you remember how I mentioned Psalm 23? God leads us beside still, quiet, restful waters. Naomi gave Ruth a blessing. May you find rest in the arms of another husband. Do you think Ruth found that rest? She didn't know it, but literally the child that she bore would come not just so that ones and twos would have rest, but that we all could have rest the rest where we can be reconciled with one another and this world can be reconciled. In Isaiah, it says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is Ruth's grandson. Am I getting that right? And his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Jesus in Luke 4 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It is resting on me. In the day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Ruth ushered in a rest for us. She received that rest as she gave her life to this God that before she did not know. When we allow friendship into our lives, when we choose to be a friend, as we stand in solidarity, as we are willing to sacrifice, I believe it can lead to a salvation that will change our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but there are certain friends that you're with and you just feel at rest, don't you? We had new friends over last weekend and I said this to Brian, 
And I promise, this came to me as I was finishing my sermon right in the same kitchen. And my friend was in the kitchen and she was like offering to help. She was helping parent my kids. And it was just like so easy. And I was like, it's like we've been friends forever. And I've literally only really known her a few months. And I said to Brian, I am at the stage in my life where the friends that I choose to have right now, I want them to be restful friends. Do you know what I mean? Not all of them. Like I'm obviously going to have some relationships in my life that aren't super easy. And then I thought about Jesus. When I am in a friendship with Jesus, a relationship that I know that he takes me as I am, and he is the kind of friend that's not going to leave me in a lurch, he is the one that stands in solidarity with me. He chooses to stand with me. He is the one who sacrificed for me. And he is the one who brings me salvation and the world. So would you pray with me today as we Think about being a friend that can bring real rest and as we seek the friend who brings us rest. Jesus, I mean, really you decided to work through this Moabite, non-Jewish person to bring your kingdom on earth. You chose Ruth to bring Jesus Christ himself who would choose people who are different, people who are similar to be friends. Jesus, you chose to bring joy out of this tragedy. You brought rest out of their loss. You offer us solidarity with you, Jesus. You offer yourself as the greatest sacrifice, making us reconciled with you, God, which leads us to have salvation. God, if there are people here today uh, online, in person, that really don't understand that or don't feel like they have access to that rest, God, we just pray that your spirit would be resting upon them inviting them into that rest today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.